Do you love racing? Then you've come to the right place. We discuss current topics in most asphalt series, as well as deep dives into the history of racing, race cars, and the drivers. I'm NASCAR driver Derek Cope. I share some of my personal stories, as well as highlighting those people that shaped my career and others. I'm Alicia Cope, and we also take on controversial and engaging topics on many subjects, including NASCAR, as well as tips and tricks that have worked for us in building teams from scratch, keeping relationships, and finding new roads. Hopefully our experiences will inspire you to reach your own goals. Let's get started. Welcome back to Race Theory. It is episode 47. We're back, Alicia and I, to talk racing. And sometimes, you know, I guess after you watch something and uh, watch a race or you see things, you get your, you know, your ear up and you're like, wow. As you like to say, panties in a wad. Yeah, get your panties in a wad. You see things and uh, you just can't condone or believe what you're saying. And sometimes it's just more than you can take. And that's kind of the way I felt today watching the uh, cup race, which normally I don't really get any more. I don't really get, you know, all that wrapped up in it. And I don't really get to watch all the races all the time. And sometimes you just see things, you just kind of like, well, that's just as <laughs> par for the course and off you go. But then, you know, it just seems like as of late, and it seems like everywhere we go and everything I watch and every division I pay attention to, it's the same thing over and over again. And the lack of respect, the way that drivers are conducting themselves, both on and off the racetrack, the rhetoric that's involved, and what they do with social media and their platforms to get their point across, justify their actions, or continue to try to drive the message they want or the narrative they want. And I just think it's so detrimental and so disruptive to the sport that we love. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they lose sight of the real, I think the real thing that is imperative that they pay attention to, and is that they have a lot of eyes on you at all times. And you always do. And you got a lot of young kids and a lot of young people that want to be like you or be, you know, emulating you. And you represent a brand. So that's the thing I just get upset about. And I guess tonight, watching that cup race, I was, I just thought it was pathetic. Yes. And I think we're speaking of Hamlin and how he conducted himself and especially the interview afterward. And I think it is all about the integrity that you have and the role model that you are making. You are a athlete. You are a sports athlete star. And you get a lot of ability to have influence. And I remember when you were racing full-time and someone would ruffle your feathers, you would take it up with them. But when you were interviewed, it was always classy. You were not pointing fingers. And like you always like to say, there's no two race car drivers that are going to have the same story. But to be arrogant and condescending, and I saw that several times today. I saw it first with Suarez, and then I saw it with Hamlin. And it is something that is very distasteful because it's almost as if they're saying that they're better and that they're, um, that everyone else around them is not as worthy. As they are. Well, if they're they're above uh, 
the scrutiny of what other people, you know, say or have the ability to talk about. They just feel like that they can, they, they feel like they have the narrative behind them that they can say, Hey, look, I, you know, I, this is, this is what happened. You know, I gave him a lane. I mean, he had every right to get out of the gas. That's what you do. You, you got the, you got the brake, you got the throttle. Yeah. Well, you know, when you get run into and you shoved up or you're in the gray and you know, you're on the restart, you don't have enormous amount of grip. Right. So yeah, there's two sides to every store and every driver comes up with, you know, whatever they feel like, you know, I guess aids in their fight or, or, or justifies their own minds so that they can live with themselves until the next deal. But, you know, I just, I just know that I've been through it for many, many years, even when I was in good equipment or when I was in really poor equipment and the types of things get said and the stuff that you get used up and people just abuse you. And it's just really, it's so much a part of, of the sport. And nowadays though, the worst part of it is that these guys all have, you know, the means to get and on social media and different platforms yes, they have to enormous defend platforms now. themselves. Right. And they've got people behind them to push this bull crap mm-hmm. that they want to get out there, right? And then justify what they're doing, right? And just so they can live with themselves, I guess. But I guess in like in Denny's case, like Kyle, like Kyle Petty said, that's just Denny. You know, he doesn't think he's done anything wrong. He's not going to get lose an ounce of sleep on it because that's just Denny. And that's just the, the person he is. So, you, and again, I don't even know Denny, and I really don't even have a, I don't know, I don't even really have, a, I have a distaste for what he does and how he does it, and his, he's a mouthpiece, and so I don't mind saying those things because I think it's pretty evident, <laughs> but as far as I knowing everyone him, else would agree with I you. don't know him, and I don't know what he's about or what, you know, he's like off the racetrack, so, you know, I wouldn't even want to. You know, well, even his even his it. even his own friends say that that he always has to be right, and and we're not you know just defending um, Kyle Larson here because as you say you know Kyle Larson has definitely done some sketch things as well. We're just talking the overall condescension and disrespect um, of the top drivers in NASCAR Cup Series. It's gotten to the point where you know, it's, it's not someone that you would want our children to emulate. It's not someone that you would, I mean, if, if you don't say you're sorry when you blatantly make a mistake or you even lie about it, or you don't own up to the mistake, I guess, let me ask you this back in the nineties, when you were racing with the greats, um, like, uh, you know, the Allison's and the Waltrips and, and Earnhardt and, and, you know, when things were done that, that you knew you had made a mistake, which had caused someone else's, you know, end of their day or a wreck, were, did they own up to it? I, I think for the most part, they, they owned up to it. And I think that they knew it and there'd be conversations or things that would go, go on. Uh, but the one thing you didn't have is you didn't have anybody out there collecting that information and airing it. Uh, because back then you only really had like Speedway scene. You only had one publication and or, you know, you had the uh, Charlotte Observer, you know, you had Tom Higgins. But what about when they were interviewed by the commentators at the end of the race? On well, when TV? They were, I think when they were when they were interviewed, I think for the most part, you know, they would they pretty much would, you know, tell it like it was and, and give their and give their side of it. But like you say, it, it really is the same old adage. You can't put three race car drivers together, or three car owners together and come up with the same story on any any one given incident. So. It's the true, it holds true, I think, across the board. 
But I think guys owned up to it more back then. And there was more willingness to talk about it. And I don't know if there was, was there less pressure back then or, or, you know, there's, I don't know, there's more people watching the sport back when we were driving in the nineties compared to what there is oh, now. Yes, a lot I more. mean, so I, I don't understand the fact that we have more eyes on these people because we don't. And we had a lot more people at the, in, uh, attending these races back when we were doing it. And you, uh, you but were the grandstand to... showed their displeasure today. And I think that's really what tells the tale is that really the, the, the populace that are watching it that came out to Pocono today and sat in those stands all those hours and watched that race, they did not like what they saw. Well, Denny's won a lot of races there and he's a favorite up there, but you have to understand where Larson's at in the grand scheme of things. If that had been somebody else, it might've been a different outcome. I'm not but quite Larson's, so sure. Larson's a big, he's got a lot of followers up in the, in the, in the PA area, the dirt track capitals and all the areas up there because he races. He's a blue collar racer every Tuesday, Wednesday night. He's in their backyard. And, you know, those kind of guys, you know, the Tony Stewart's or whatever, they, they have the ability to have more people be more vocal. They have the common man behind them. And, they, and they're more vocal. And I think that's what you saw today. So I don't know. I don't know how you depict, you know, one from the other. But you think if it would have been someone else. It may not have been. There wouldn't have been as many boos. I don't I don't think so. I think Larson is a crowd favorite right now. I think he is one of those guys that they you know, he has been in a position to win more races. He drives with a a unique style and you know, he gets he does get he doesn't close the deal all the time. Mm -hmm. If you really pay attention to what happens with him, it's always something. in my opinion, it just seems like there's always something that derails the final closing of the deal he does win a lot of races he does but he does miss opportunities to a great extent is that because he doesn't rough up the other drivers as much as he should i don't i don't think so i just think that circumstances or sometimes you know maybe he's pushing the envelope and you know and he makes some poor choices or or circumstances just you know kind of become the outcome for him uh you know he certainly would have won has has or could have won a lot more races you know, like even with uh, with Byron several times, he'd be in a position to win races late in the race and doesn't able to close the deal. Restarts happen, you know, time and time again, we have a, you know, a green-white checker, green-white checker, and he fails on the last time. And he's done it the, the first two times. But the final one, somebody figures something out, uses him up or does something. And so, so many times, there's just so many variables, right, that dictate, you know, the outcome of a lot of these races. And the problem with a lot of these things are is, you know, the, the whole thing is different than it used to be. It used to be that, you know, the races could end under caution. You know, you have races where you didn't have these green, white checkers and, you know, you just race to the end and, you know, you didn't get more opportunities to go in there and beat on a guy. I have three chances to go in there and, and skew the end of it, you know? So mm-hmm. things just change. And so sometimes I guess when you're looking at it from like my perspective, more so than maybe others is I'm, I'm a lot more, I guess, transparent about what's happening just because I viewed it in another fashion and in another era in a time when I just felt like, you know, you got a better result of things like that and people and less grief. And in this day and age, it seems like we continue to just have sanctioning bodies make poor decisions or or open up avenues to have this kind of animosity or problems. And it just, I don't know, I just think it just takes away from you know, the actual, um, event and, and the winning and the sport itself, itself. right. And, and 
we don't need any more declining fans for sure in NASCAR. And I think statements like what Hamlin made continues to, you know, maybe prove to parents that, oh, this isn't a sport that I want my kid in. And, you know, I, I love racing and I love NASCAR, but the, the top uh, runners in the cup series right now. I mean, there are several, like people like to say, you, you dislike more than you like. Well, that didn't always used to be the case. And, you know, I like the ones that are respectful. And I think at the end of the day, it's your integrity, no matter how famous you are, how talented you are, how you treat people when you're at the bottom should be how you treat people at the top. And so many of these drivers lose sight of that. They get a little big for their britches. And then all of a sudden they get to the top and they're having some success and they forget where they came from and they start treating people differently and they really start treating their colleagues differently. And just like Suarez made the statement today that, oh, well, I shouldn't have been back there with all those squirrels. Well, you were a squirrel once yourself. I remember you racing him, his rookie year in Xfinity Series, and everyone stayed away from him because he was all over the place. So it, you, you want to remind these drivers that, you know, you need to watch what you say because that, that's going to resonate and stay with people forever. I guess he didn't name the squirrel's name, but I guess he's referring to Bubba. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't guess. You know, because I mean, he's the one that actually, they got together, you know, and that's what happened. But, you know, most of the time, these guys say things before they really get an opportunity to look at things and, you know, really see what happened or whatever. And yet they're just, they're more mad at the situation than they are themselves or the, the other person that did the thing because yeah, they're in a, you know, and again, it's always the most critical when guys are, you know, and they're the most frustrated when it's the most critical time. And are like for Suarez, he's in a points battle. He, you know, he is right. He was. Oh, within, he made that quite clear. Oh yeah, he's, nobody, else nobody else matters. Matters because, because he's I'm running, running for, for the points. points. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, it is all about you know Suarez, I guess. But you know, <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Is is yes, you're there to win. But you know, when the race is over, or you you get taken out, and you are being represented on TV in front of millions of viewers have some class when you answer the questions. Come on, you can do better than this. We've, we've, you know, you can go down the line and you can remember something that every one of these guys has done or said, or been, you know, I mean, complete ass, uh, for other competitors, you know, even people that were just learning and starting how to drive. I mean, we've seen Harvick do it. We've seen, you know, Bubba doing it. We've seen Chastain last year doing it. I mean, Truex. I mean, Truex, yeah. Bush. Truex, Bush. Kislowski. You can go right on down the line. These guys all are mouthpieces. They all think they're somebody. They all think that they everybody ought to listen to them and that they ought to do what they think they ought to do. And the biggest problem that NASCAR has done in the, in the I think in the last, you know, 10, 12 years is they've empowered the drivers and these car owners and all these people by giving them a voice and giving them an almost to the point now they have a, a damn uh, union. And they can pretty much do and say as they want, and they create more havoc. And, you know, half these guys don't really know. I mean, the drivers don't know nothing about the cars. No. And they they should not be the person you go in there and start asking about what we need to do to make these cars drive here because they want what they want. They want the car that, you know, they want more horsepower. They want different tires. They want this. They want that. They want tire dig. They don't want tire dig. They can't make up their mind. You can't put three of them in the same room together and come up with the same answer anyways. So. Why ask the mental giants? I, I mean, well, like you said, they're not working on the cars. There's, there's very few drivers. I don't, I mean, obviously I'm not in the series anymore, but I only knew of two or three that actually came into the shop and worked on their own cars. And that didn't used to be the exception. That used to be the norm. 
where drivers actually knew what was in their cars. Yeah, well, that that day, you know, it has has gone away a long time ago. And, you know, it, it really is a, a whole different dynamic at this day and age. And I think the one thing that you look at and you ask about what are the re- what is the reason and what are the things that aid or I guess maybe, you know, kind of make this come of, you know, to the forefront. And a lot of it is because, you know, again, you know, a lot of the guys that were coming to some of these lower divisions were bringing money, right? So they're, they're actually paying for the ride. So they are, I mean, a lot more about getting the most out of their opportunity to showcase their potential, run up front and show this sponsor that they can do it with whatever the amount of, you know, caliber or race team that they have access to. And that is part of the equation in that, in that situation. At the higher levels, the guys that we're talking about, the types of things that are happening now in the higher levels of, of the sport is it's not so much that fact. These are guys that are they're being paid large sums of money to go out and drive race cars. They represent, represent major brands, major race teams. And, you know, all the more reason to have respect and when you get a microphone in front of your face and integrity. And I think there's just a real lack of that right now. I mean, actually, to the point that it's almost despicable. It, it really is. It really disgusting. Is. It's Today pathetic. was disgusting. And I, I think that, you know, at some point, the governing body here, which would be NASCAR, needs to at some point say, OK, you know. We need to have some training on how you conduct yourself. Well, we had all the training, you know, for racism and all the things that they started yes. implementing into the systems. Right. I mean, maybe they need to go back and just go to the bot to the basics. Like, go. let's just go to like Integrity 101 or something. Right. This is. And first of all, just say no. Mm-hmm. When these guys start doing this, say no, this is not going to happen. You will not do this anymore. That's how it used to be. It used to be you bring somebody in the trailer and we're going to explain to you, mm-hmm. right? This is not how it's going to be. First of all, it's our sandbox. We, we tell you, we let you play in it, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to play in the manner in, manner in which we want it played in, you won't be here. We'll find somebody else to take your shovel and we'll ship you out and put you in other kid in there. And I think that's what's not there anymore. There's no willingness to go in there and tell these guys, look, you know, this is a business. This right. is an entertainment business. Well, and I think that's almost like a double-edged sword because, because NASCAR will say, well, this is entertainment, so we're not going to quell any of these, you know, mouthpieces or disagreements because it's fueling the fire for all of this media. But if you look at any major sports franchises, look at the NFL, the NBA, um, when players do something that is detrimental to their sport, they get reprimanded and they get taken off. And it is consistent. And that's that should be, I mean, as a human race, as we are evolving and we are becoming, you know, higher versions of ourselves and trying to emulate, you know, qualities that we want the next generation to have, that's what needs to be done. You can't have the top leaders of your sport, the top, the, the rock stars of your sport be disrespectful, degrading, condescending. It's it's not, it's not just ethically wrong, morally wrong. From a business standpoint, it's wrong because it's not going to propel your sport forward. It's certainly not going to get you more fans. And it, it makes a mockery of the sport. 
I think, you know, it's interesting because all these, all these podcasts, everybody's got a podcast. We got a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody wants a voice. Everybody wants to talk about stuff. Well, they can. Yeah. And they can. And, and here we are, we're talking about, we're airing what our thoughts are about this situation. And that's what Denny does. And that's what a lot of these guys do. They get on all these shows and they talk about things. And that's what, I mean, tomorrow morning on satellite Sirius radio, you're going to have the same thing. They're going to be beating this thing to death, right? Talking about what happened and, you know, how, what kind of conduct, you know, uh, ethics or what, how, what, what, what do you do? Right. You know, but it's just the part that, you know, it's, it's happened all the time. And I said, nice, just another night that we decide, okay, we're going to talk about this, right? Because it's right in your face and it, you know, you just, you continue to look back and, you know, last year, I mean, you remember when, when, when Ross was going through all the Greek men, remember when he was in the, the Xfinity race at Darlington and he roughed up Harvick mm-hmm. and that, and Harvick was, I mean, just completely pissed off, right? Telling this guy would never drive nothing, could never drive nothing, right? Couldn't drive a sharp stick up a dead dog's butt. You know, whatever you want to say. That's a but, terrible analogy. But anyways, <laughs> you know, I mean, he was pretty adamant about it, right? But, you know, obviously, you know, Chastain's proven everybody wrong. And he has done a uh, a lot of great things in the sport. And it's become, you know, a major sta- a stable fixture. And, you know, I think the one thing that, you know, he did, he just ruffled a, a lot of feathers. I mean, he did a lot of things poorly. And, you know, maybe he thinks he did them right. But. You know, for the most part, I would say that if you pick nine out of 10 people, he'd say that I'd say that uh, they felt like that he's done it wrong. Right. Well, and he was not apologetic either. No. So, but I mean, mean, like you say, and then you got, there's a lot of guys, you know, and you talk about the arrogance in the sport today. Yes. That's the part, I guess, that I think is tough to swallow. Yeah, that's what I don't like. I mean, you, I mean, you just listen to the arrogance. I mean, you listen to these guys get on there and talk every time they get on the radio, they got the smirk on their face. They got this attitude and I get it. You have to have villains. You have to have the nice guys. You got to have the cocky guys. You got to have the, you know, the guys that flip their hair or whatever they did, bottom <laughs> line. I mean, you know, you got to have, you got to have them all. Right. And I think that's what creates the excitement and the allure of the sport. And you got to have all of those things. And that's well and good, but there comes a time that, you know, I think that you have to kind of, at some point, you got to take them by the reins and there's got to be somebody that says, okay, bring them in. I want to talk to them. Right. Well, we had, the, back then we had Bill France. Right. We had Bill France Jr. And if it's not going to be NASCAR, if there's no one in NASCAR that's going to do it as the, you know, admin of the entire, you know, organization, then it should be the franchise owners. It should be the team owners. They should care. They should care about their sponsors. And I'm shocked, really, that more sponsors aren't saying, we don't like this for our brand. I remember there was something to do with M&Ms a while back when Kyle said something um, in an interview after the race. And remember, they pulled back and said, this is not an ambassador for our for our brand if this is the way you're going to conduct yourself on TV. And I can't recall what it was. Do you recall that? I don't remember. But it did go down. And I actually was like, and, and Kyle Bush tamed it down um it, you know he i mean he's still always going to be grumpy but um there were things that were said that eminem was like we're not doing this anymore then there has to be sponsors that will stand up and say if this is going to be our representative then they're going to conduct themselves at least in a professional manner if not you know i think a that, respectful manner in my opinion i think they already have spoken if you just take a look at all the major Fortune 500 companies that have left all the, the sport. major brands that have left the sport or diminished their roles and continue to, 
they're sending a message. Mm -hmm. I think they are not going out and they're not saying it publicly because they're saying it with their pocketbook. Because when you when you go and say it on social media, you open yourselves up to more problems. Yes. And so the best thing to do is just say we are making changes internally. Our focus has changed. We've kind of run our course. We're going on to the next stage of sporting. Everybody, I think that's how they do it. And in my opinion, you know, that's how as a company you would want to do it. You'd want to just, you know, just send the message by, you know, firing the first shot. Say, we are not re-upping. Mm-hmm. Or we'll do, we'll step back to a, you know, 10 race roll or something. And I think if you, if you really take a deep, hard look at the sport and all the major teams and players that are out there, for the most part, excluding some te- guys that have like junior motorsports mm-hmm. or whatever, they have icons, they have fixtures, they have things that kind of set precedents or have foundations that are long running, long running relationships. Right. I think if you just look at those things more and more, I think they're getting tired of what's going on and they're finding ways to limit their exposure uh, and look for other paths. So when you look at that, the, look at the top teams, they're self-sponsored. They have their own team names on the car. That to me says they're, they're running their own money. They don't have sponsors that will they're doing what we support did. their they've businesses. Got, they've, if you look at, I look at a lot of these teams right now, they're bringing different wraps every week yes. or every other week or whatever. They've got a multitude of sponsors again that they're running in and out, just like the small teams have had to do for many, many years. They've never had a major sponsor stay with them. If you look at the thing across the board, it's sad, but that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's and it's getting, not the economy. It is the fact that they are no longer in the sport. Well, for the, return, the return on investment right now, if you really look at it, it really comes down to ROI. No matter what you say, if you're spending large sums of money, you have to get a return. There has to be a reason why you're doing this. You have to put butts in the seats. You have to put get you know products off the shelves. You got to move things. You got to move. You know you got to have you know turnover of products. And I think or what at least you're brand saying, awareness with a really respectable person. Right. So I mean, you're, it depends on your initiative, right? You know, but the bottom line is it has to show dividends and it has to pay dividends. And I think when you look at the television coverage and what they're on and the manner in which you do it. You, I mean, half the time you can't even, I mean, sometimes it's hard to find something that's going on. There's not a lot of information or where they're going. And one week it's this, next week it's that. We're going to go to this FS1. That's back to the days when we, you know, we had like ESPN and stuff like that. You know, I mean, this was, is, and what this TV package, I, you know, you don't hear nothing about the TV package right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm curious, you know, I mean, not being in the owners' meetings like I used to be with Starcom, I don't. I'm not privy to those things. But maybe there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. But you know, I've not heard a whole lot about the TV package. Yeah, that's got to be know? alarming. So you know, I mean, it's it's upon us, right? So I know it's a major, you know, thing that the owners, uh, you know, want to know about because I've heard that that's the reason why they boycotted one of the owners' meetings was because they weren't getting the information they wanted about the TV package and the revenue sharing of it. So. There's a lot of dissension and a lot of things going on, but you know, you got to believe that, you know, a lot of it is all, it's all based on money and revenue, like everything else is right. And everybody wants a piece of their pie. And, you know, I think, you know, you're just, you're just seeing a culmination of things right now that are, is really just changing everything around in and around the sport. 
And I mean, and it, and, it, and it even goes down to lower series. I mean, down to trans, the trans MTA too, the young kids, they are going into the truck series and the Xfinity series. I mean, the disrespect, the wrecking, the tearing stuff up, the mouthiness. I mean, it's just, it's prevalent everywhere. And it just makes it to the point where, honestly, I, I can't hardly even bring myself to watch an entire race in anything else. Well, it's hard for me to watch the rhetoric before and after when they're interviewing because they rarely interview the, you know, mid-pack to the back marker teams, which I think that's where the storylines are because those are the ones that are scratching tooth and nail to even be there. But they are only, you know, interviewing the top 10 teams. And I I have no interest in those. I, I don't have any favorites anymore in that arena, you know, except for maybe like, um, William Byron, uh, because he's a respectful kid and he has a respectful family and they demand that of him. It's, and, and he has, you know, when he's interviewed, he gives thanks, you know, to those people that brought him here and, you know, the, the Hamlins and the Truexes and it's difficult to listen to them. I just, I just cringe anymore. And, and I walk away. I love to watch the race because I love racing, but the characters in the sport have really declined and to the point where, like you said, it's hard to swallow. And especially after a race like this, you really realize the decline that it's on. I think we have so much passion for the sport. I think that's the thing that I've always had for it. I've loved it deeply and I still do. And I think when you and I, you know, you know, got together and spent all the times we did and all the, the troubles and the struggles we went through with our teams and our, you know, our development programs, you name it. We've already, you know, you know, kind of alluded to a lot of those things. You still have a great passion to sit here on the couch and when the race comes on to sit down and to enjoy the race. And put yourself back into the times that we had enjoyment and fond memories of when we were with Starcom and, and when we ran the team, we were there in our bus. We had, you know, you see the sunny skies, you remember going to the airplane. You just, you think back and that's what it's all about, right? It's all about creating memories and reflections on the good times and going out to dinner with all the Starcom guys and, you know, Matt and having wine and, you know, and just, just the camaraderie. You miss those things. So you sit down and you can reflect by watching the race and then you look at some of the things that when you're when you're there and you're physically in the trenches you're sitting on the pit box and you're trying to get your own car to run fast you've got your own peril you're not paying attention to all the other things exactly that are encompassing no. the sport you're, you're, you're kind running of like your own running race. yeah you're in your own little pigeonhole yeah, it's it's you aren't even like a, so so many times the race would get over and one of the the sponsors or the fans that would be you know in our in our box would be like who won and I'd be like I don't know because yeah, I'm not watching that part I'm 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 watching our race that we're racing and where we finished and the, and our competitors and it, it's it was kind of funny so many times they're like how do you even not know and you know the girls would call and say well. How'd you do? Oh, well, we finished, you know, 15th, 16th, whatever it be. Well, who won? I don't know. And then you'd have to watch they, on TV. They talk about the the animosity and the corrects and the people that did things, right? And and you're you're like, well, I didn't know that happened. 
Yeah, exactly. Because really? you're so you're, you're so consumed with your own exactly. your own race. Yeah. And you're trying to get ready. All the guys get loaded up because you know the airplanes are there, and you can't. You know they they don't want to wait on you. You don't want to be the problem to get back to the airplane. So you're pushing everybody to do their jobs, get stuff picked up, put away, manage your you know the ending of your day. So you're not really privy to all the things that happened or went on. And then you hear about it, you read about it, and then you're like too busy the next day to even worry about it unless it's related to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, you got well, if it gets thrust you, in your face, yeah, like, oh, you got so damage control for you. you. Your mm-hmm. drivers wrecked somebody or your drivers, you know, pulled a stupid move. And, yeah. you did, know, did you see what was on social media today? Look yeah. who's tweeting about your driver. So. And, and then and then you notice it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm more concerned with what did my sponsors think? What did the, you know, the people that I was entertaining, did they have a good time? And just making sure that, you know, I always made sure that NASCAR was always in a good light. Any question or um, statement that was negative about NASCAR, I would always defend because I wanted, I wanted to keep the fandom that we have and I wanted them to come back and I wanted them to really love the sport so that they wanted to stay involved in it. And by and large, I meant everything that I said. But like you said, all of this stuff was probably going on around us, especially in the last 10 years. But we just didn't know it because we were so involved in our own peril. But I do feel, I mean, now that we actually sit on the couch and watch it on TV, which is a different paradigm for us, now we're seeing a lot more personalities that we you know, we pretty much know who was on our plane and who we know and who we race with. But you really get to see who are people that they would not be our friends. They are not likable. And you don't want to root for them just from what they say when they're interviewed. And that's really, that's really bad. But you, but you do <laughs> have to realize, you know, you look at, we we're just talking about the, all the teams that were there, the majority of the teams, right? Unless they were right in the, in the throes of all of that, right? They're all in the same thing we just spoke about. They were trying to get their stuff loaded up. They're all trying to get their stuff packed, trying to get their deals done so they can head out to, the, to their airplanes and get back and get ready to go to the next race, which next, is which Richmond next weekend. The drivers and the animosity and the MRN and all the people, those are the ones scrambling to get all the stories and get all the mm-hmm. hype and get all the stuff done, get TV ended right, and then, and then it's over. And the fans themselves, that's what they thrive on, though. That's what the person that's sitting in the stands coming to watch or the person like you and I were tonight playing, you know, the watching the race on TV as a spectator. Your perception of things is different. Ours is different simply because we look at the sport differently than the average individual does. We know a lot more of the inner workings. We know what goes in. We know what these other guys are like and what, you know. What's happening on the racetrack as far as, you know, the variables, as far as the car, the air, the things happening on the racetrack. You can condone certain things. You can see certain things. And I try to look at at it from that perspective as a driver, or I look at it like, you know, that was sketch, but yet, you know, you have to take, you have to take advantage of the opportunity, right? When it comes down to win, you know, you take advantage of everything you can to try to win. And, you know, do you look bad on somebody for doing that? Or is that just what you would have done in that same circumstance and then you would have fought the good fight at the end yourself? So it's hard to put yourself in that position and you right now we're looking at it kind of like from the from being in the stands watching it, right? Well, on the track itself, yes, what you just said, of course, you know, your your job is to get 
your position advanced as far as possible. And if you are able and you have the car to win, then yes, you're doing everything that you can to win. On the track, yes, you lay it all out there. There's no, you know, disrespect on the track would mean like, you know, intentionally wrecking somebody. I'm, but as far as like Rubin's racing, yeah, absolutely. But I'm talking after. I'm talking when you're interviewed and the way you treat other competitors. These drivers that treat other competitors like they're just dirt under their feet because they're in lesser equipment. You know, I just, that, I just want to grab them by the collar and say, you know, you are no better than any of these other players out here. We're all out here. You just have more opportunity because you have more money. You know what, though? They all got to come down the other side. And they will. Or else they quit at the height of their deal. And they, and they never know. And they never know that. So those are the things that happen. And I, I think you'll see, you'll see guys that, that leave the sport um, and then come back in lesser equipment and don't. I mean, you look at guys that did what they did in the sport. Like, just take a look at like Ryan Newman or Greg Biffle. Uh, guys that, you know, won championships and truck series mm -hmm. and Xfinities and, and races in the Cup Series. Won Daytona, Daytona 500. 500s. And did a lot of great things. And then, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they end it or it, it does end or something happens. And then they try to migrate back like, you know, we have, like I have, mm -hmm. you know, you try to still stay in it. You still try to find some way to participate, but you're never given the opportunities again to get back to where you were at. And then you realize just the magnitude of what it's like to drive um, the lesser uh, equipment mm -hmm. and how difficult that is. And, you know, and they haven't even experienced driving the degrees that we've had to drive with, I mean, used tires and, and not having anything. So there, it's a, there's a lot of different dynamics to the sport and we can sit here and complain about certain things, but then, you know, there's other areas of the sport that people don't really realize and, you know, won't ever be privy to. Uh, so there's a lot that goes on in these higher echelons of motorsports and in, in, in this type of racing period across the board, it goes on everywhere. There's always the haves and the have nots and the cream rises to the top and the has been and the has been. There's always going to be that because time has a way of just dictating that. Mm -hmm. And it does. And it's true of all sports. I don't care. You know, you're, you know, some guys is, you know, they age out at 27 or 34 and you know, they're in baseball or football, whatever the case may be. It ends because of age and, and opportunities. You know, I mean, a lot of it just comes down to, you know, the money you have, the access to people, the people that believe in you and, and decisions that are made. And so it really is a unique, unique dynamic about sport in general. And especially in motorsports. Well, because racing, you can do it for a lot longer. You can. Period of time. Yeah, you do your you're best work sitting out. down. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. And you're, you're not timed out at such an early age. So you have the ability to stay in it longer. And honestly, you know, you probably stayed in it longer than what we should have. But you did it because you wanted to. And so your, your passion for the sport allowed you to sit in poor equipment always running on used tires, used motors. And unfortunately, the average fan doesn't know that, you know, the, the performance was based on that, not that you were all washed up and that you were just old. <laughs> Your car, um, in terms of age, was older than you. Yeah. So. I mean, you, you can, I remember, I remember going <laughs> to races there, you know, when we were still 
you weren't in great stuff, but you're still trying to race decent things. And, you know, guys would do things or say things, you know, and do stuff on the racetrack, brake check you and then mouth off, you know, and, you know, you just look at them like, you know, you pompous ass, you know, you haven't done nothing in anything yet. And you want to come out here and you want to try and do this, this stupid kind of stuff. Right. And then pop off like that. You know, you have no, you have no respect, you know, you just show disrespect. And all you can do is look at those guys and realize just, you know, how poor of an individual they really right. are. Right. And that's all you have to do. Or and that's, say. and that's, and that's the way I always looked at it. It's like, why get into a, into a, a why, get upset, match? Over why it. get upset over it? Because you know what? You, you really don't, you can't change it. You won't change it. Uh, you're in, you put yourself, you made a choice to put yourself in a position to be mired in that position just so you can do what you love to do and yes. still enjoy going to the racetrack, seeing the people, having the camaraderie and, and driving a car because you love to drive the race car. And yeah, okay. You know, you get, but there are the, the, the poor sides of those things that come with that. You have to take those things that come along with that. Right. And you have to be a lot more thick skinned got to be willing to just understand that, you know what, you got to take it for what it is. And, you know, the way I always looked at it was, you know, okay, well, you know, until you went a Daytona 500, you know, then you can, then you could pop off. That's right. right. So, That's right. You know. Well, and you, you experienced the hype. Um, and then, you know, you experienced, you know, the bottom. There's a lot of people that will experience the hype. And when they find themselves going down, they're done. They don't want to experience that, the mentality that if I can't win, I'm not going to be out here. And there were some sponsors that actually asked me that, that do you actually think you can win the race? Well, no, not unless we're at a super speedway. Of course not. We were bringing a knife to a gunfight. And there, I remember this, this one person said, well, then why do you even go out there and do it? And to me, that was just the most ignorant, stupidest question I'd ever heard. It was hard for me to even answer. My, my mouth must have fallen open like, what? But there are drivers that way too. That if I can't win, if I'm not in equipment that can win, then I'm, then I'm done. And then there's the other group of drivers that say, no, I'm okay with this because I want to stay out there. Not that either one is right or wrong, but you have this mix of individuals that have to be at the top or they're not happy. And that those that are just striving to be out there and survive and, and run a business. Well, I think the majority, if you really, if people would, if you ask the hard question, to the majority of the guys driving those cars. And you ask the question, do you, I mean, and put them a lie detector test or whatever the case may be, right? There's a lot of them that know they can win. They couldn't win. Mm -hmm. That the car is not good enough to win. People they have are not good enough to win. And You're that their own abilities that. might not be. You're going to, to put yourself out there each and fight the good fight in hopes that you hit the right combination. You make the right choices. You know, good fortune comes your way and you win a race. I mean, Honestly, there, there are those races that, that come that way, right? And there's races that you just go out flat and win. And, you know, it's just part of it, you know, but, you know, I don't know. I, you can beat this thing, you know, you can beat this dead horse a lot, right? <laughs> well, our perspective I mean, comes from the underdog. It does. And that is, it does. And that is who I am always going to defend. That is my personality type. That is what I'm going well, to do. Well, we've never, I've never been at the highest echelon being with, the, you know, the best team or having every opportunity for every aspect at my disposal. Never has happened. So just to have won in the race, into one in, in the Cup Series and one in the Bush Series, just to have won in, in all these things, you know, I guess that's, that's what you have to dwell on. And that's what you have to have is, as I guess, you know, the thing that keeps you, you know, 
believing in what choices you made and what opportunities you did that, you know, you overcame a, a great deal just to get here to do this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, not everybody gets the best opportunities. It's just the way it is. It's just guys that, I mean, look at the guys that play major league baseball, but you know, or the guys that play, you know, NFL football, but never, or never get a chance to quarterback for a great team. Or they get a very short window and things just don't go their way. Correct. You know, and, and you just never with a team that, you know, they can carry uh, like you. the Minnesota Twins for a long time. You know, you got Rod Carew, you got people like that. It's like, you know, and they're never going to be there, you know, for, you know, the World Series. And yet they stay with the team. They're productive, great ball players, do all these things. But it's just, you just do your job, you do your thing, you fight the good fight, and you just enjoy your career. And, you know, I mean, sometimes I guess you just got to take things from it and and enjoy it. And you think about, I look at my career, I'm like, you know, I won, I won a lot of races. You know, when I started racing, I mean, I, I won a lot of poles. I won a lot of races. I was a factor in everything I did, you know, into the Winston West series, you know, back, I come back here in my early days of racing in, in the cup series, I was, you know, decent. We, we had, and I had no equipment. I had no money and we still ran and had good finishes and, and, you know, did a lot of great things, you know, set on an outside pole. I mean, and people don't expect anything out of you. You know, I had outside poles, number of outside poles at Pocono and Michigan and, and places like that. And a pole at Charlotte, you did a lot of great things. You won the Daytona 500. You won at Dover. I mean, you went at Dover and I mean, annihilated them at Dover and you, you went at Dover, you can win anywhere. But it comes down to people not knowing. You didn't have enough money to have Hendrick engines or the great engines. And you didn't have everything it takes. Yeah, those are the things that is just the bare facts. And it is what it is. But you know what? I wish the commentators would mention that. You have, you have, you have, you have succeeded. And you have, you know, first of all, you've made history by, by winning an iconic event. Mm -hmm. You can win races and pay and people are like, okay, so you win one or two races here, but they're just, they're just races. But you go and win a major race like Daytona or, you know, or the Indy 500 or something like that. It is of magnitude. It mm -hmm. is something that is a historical fact that remains. And so I think you just got to look at things for yourself because when it's all said and done, when you're 80 or 90 years old and racing has escalated beyond where we're at right now, no one's thinking about the 1990 Daytona 500 except me. And when I get ready to pass away or you get ready to put me in a box, and the only thing that's less is my ring. It's like the only person that thought <laughs> of that. You want to be buried with your ring? I want to be buried with my ring. Okay. You know, so, you know, I mean, it's like the bottom line is nobody's going to care about it. It's going to be lost, be gone, thrown away. It's like, whatever. Maybe that'll be the, when somebody digs it up and finds the ring, I'm like, hey, look at this. What's 500 this? years from now, yeah. it'll be your um, identifying <laughs> that'll characteristic. Be the, yeah, that'll be the fossil. That'll be the fossil <laughs> that comes out of it, right? <laughs> so anyways. That's morbid. Yeah, it's, it is. But anyways, that's enough of that. You know, it was a fun, uh, a fun uh, episode, I think, to discuss and, you know, give our two cents. And sometimes we get outside the box and get a little hateful or a little bit, uh, you know, antagonistic about things. But um, no, it's not being hateful. You know. And on the flip, it's that we expect people to purport themselves in a respectful manner when you are on one of the country's biggest stages. And that is it. Well, for me, it's just the fact that I love motor racing, period. And I just, I just like to see it be respected in all forms of it. And especially the one that's closest to home, something that I've, I've dealt with my whole life. So I guess when I see things that I feel like are just detrimental to the sport, 
uh, uh, I guess that is when I feel like compelled that I have a platform here. I guess I got my own podcast. Detrimental to sport become a real issue for me today. So I guess I got on my own soapbox. So yeah, well, we'll we'll see if there's any backlash from this. With that, thank you for listening. It's good to be back, and we'll see you next time on Race Day. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Cope and Instagram at Derek Cope Double Zero and leave a comment or question and use hashtag race theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.